1: Hey heathens, welcome into this Salem After Show, right here on Afterbuzz TV. I am Bobby DeMiro, that's Marissa Serafini. What's up guys? Uh, let's jump into it. We are talking about Book of Shadows today. Uh, You're watching Salem, hopefully you already know that Uh, A lot to talk about today, first things first before we jump in If you haven't already, hit subscribe on iTunes or YouTube If you're watching the video, listening to uh, the podcast version Good reaction last week from commenters, tweeters um, Awesome stuff, great to be back Happy to be back and going forward
2: And happy to be back And I gotta just point out number one Hashtag, hashtag Team Bobby Marissa
1: I feel like you and I Which are the only people who you care about that.
2: on the board. <laughs> um, yes. And
1: a couple things uh, that we want to touch base from last week. Are we still giving away the Salem prize pack? We
2: are. We have two more weeks until we will choose a lucky winner.
1: So if you want to be that lucky winner, we've already had people enter, but what do you yes. need to do?
2: You need to rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Your, your Twitter.
1: At Bobby Demuro.
2: At Serafini TV. Rate, comment, leave great messages about our after show, and also leave your Twitter handle so we can in properly. In those
1: so follow us on follow us both on Twitter. Follow AfterBuzz. You should be doing that already. Yep, yep. Rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars. Make a comment. Leave your Twitter handle in the comment. You are entered into the Salem Prize Pack. Sweepstakes. That will end, what, May 10th, I guess, then? Is yes, it the last week they're doing it? By
2: that episode. Okay. By the end of episode six, so oh, that okay. week. Cool. And we do have some awesome iTunes shout out. If we just, you know, we're talking about iTunes right now, might as well get them out of the way. <laughs> uh, we have from Cassandra Gomez on Twitter. Okay. She gave i uh, and sorry, not Twitter, iTunes. She gave us five stars. She says, The show is so good, I love watching it. Helix Marxilius. I'm butchering all these names, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, he gave us five stars. Love this podcast. Great companion to the TV show, Zayom.
1: Thank you. That is hopefully what we're going for. We, we want to be the companion. We won't be more entertaining. So. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> and Renee 424 gave us five stars and she says, so glad you're back for season two.
1: Seriously, we're glad too. Boom. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, and the other piece of information we have that's ongoing on May 10th, I checked my calendar. It's two weeks from now. I screwed that up last week. I thought it was two weeks last <laughs> week. Scary. Two weeks from now on May 10th, Sammy Hanratty will be in studio she plays dolly if you watch uh season one with us she interviewed she was on one of the after shows on season one she is awesome she's a lot of fun she will be back on may 10th to talk about dolly she's going to talk about salem in general she's obviously been filming on that show we saw her a bunch today yes, in this episode that we did. so we have a couple questions from last week i've pasted them into a word doc i've thrown you know youtubers handles in there if you have a question for sammy hanratty about dolly about salem in general she's there you know Filming whatever you want to talk about, if you want to talk about you know Shane West, has she ever talked to Shane West?
2: I don't know, I don't think their cross has their passive cross. I don't think
1: their character yeah. passive cross maybe
2: but. they maybe they will.
1: Well, that, they have
2: to. It's Salem. I, I mean, mean, how big is That's Salem? something I'm going to ask
1: her. That's my question. There no, we go. If, if you have a question for Sammy, leave it on our YouTube uh, comment section like you did last week. how you guys did last week. Or you can tweet us again at Bobby DeMuro at SerafiniTV. Do that. Okay, we'll remind you about that at the end of the show. Let's jump in. Thank you for being patient uh, for all of our BS. Let's talk <laughs> about Book of Shadows. And I want to start with Mary and Anne Another unlikely alliance um not not really an alliance. am I the only one who not thinks yet? Well Mary's taken advantage of Anne and Anne doesn't realize it.
2: yes, but also, but what I, else is new? I know we we always know that Mary has an ulterior motive to everybody, but I feel that this could be Mary's second chance for having a pupil that will actually listen to her and learn from her but, and like, because we mean we know mercy was like an epic fail. But Anne could be the person that, like, Mary could really properly teach.
1: I, I like, the, it's cute how idealistic you are.
2: <laughs> I don't want to think positive,
1: <laughs> Remember Mercy way back when at the start of season one. She was, for, for lack of a better term, pathetic she was quiet she was scared she was you know the other she was not popular she was not you know dolly sammy handwriting's character dolly and those girls had like their clique mercy was not a part of the clique she was an outsider middle schoolers would call her today high schoolers would call her today like a loser is kind of what she was and then a bunch of things happened and she got more confidence and she got more powers and now she's a maniac i feel like Anne is almost in that same vein very quiet very unassuming very Meek, very timid, but the more powerful Anne realizes she is and the more powerful she becomes, Mm -hmm. Mary is just creating monsters. And these monsters, it's like Frankenstein. In a way,
2: but also... I thought you would like that reference. No, I love Frankenstein. (laughs) Granted, but also Mercy, when we were introduced to her character the last season, season one, she was put on a pedestal in front of everyone and called out for being a witch and like all falsely accused in front of the whole town where people already were in a position to turn on her and has not been in that Position yet.
1: That's so, true. So, like, and Mercy is, had a
2: lot of things already going for her, and more motivation for her to become as crazy as she was, or as she is. And now. part
1: of that product that was Anne has been sheltered by her father. Yes. All last season, because of as powerful as her father was, who was going to step to Anne? Nobody. No. You know, not really. I mean, I mean, Mary kind of made minor power plays last year, but nothing to this level. And now that Magistrate Hale is gone. Maybe something happens to Anne. I mean, we know it's going to.
2: But also, we did hear the line tonight that Anne's powers is growing faster than usual, maybe even faster than Mercy, because Mercy came into her powers real quick.
1: And Anne's got weird powers. She doesn't have, like... You don't like, know
2: exactly what her powers yeah, are, though. it's That's bizarre. The thing.
1: It's, it's something different is going on with Anne. The mm-hmm. thing the other day, or last week's episode, where she had the two guards when she came back with Cotton in the horse-drawn carriage or whatever, and those two guards who tried to stop her, that wasn't, like, witch maneuvers that was no that was that a was weird demonic. <laughs> yeah that was really going
2: red demonic
1: yeah mary's never done that
2: and it doesn't seem like anne had full control over it she was doing it without fully realizing exactly how she was doing it yeah it was more maybe more triggered by emotions
1: now anne tonight in this episode three things happen that are like my biggest fears uh, besides the Kardashians being canceled. That's my number one biggest well, fear. that's
2: eventually going to happen.
1: Shut your mouth. <laughs> my next three biggest fears are anything with your eyes. We talked about this last week. Yeah. Anything with your eyes, Petrus's eyes get cut out. We'll talk about that in a minute.
2: All this enucleation, interesting. Uh,
1: anything with your fingernails, the uh, Corwin's fingernails cut off, Ooh. we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the reason I bring those two up is the third one is Anne Hale. Going into the well. No thank you. I'm out of here. You can talk about this. <laughs> okay. I'm not going down in that damn well.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone should, especially at night. I mean, granted, <sighs> like that's the only time they could. But do not go down a well by yourself oh, after, Mary. under the control of Mary. No.
1: I'll take you at face value. You want me to go down here? By the way, is the witching hour, is it 3 a.m.? I thought I had read somewhere a long time. Yeah, look look it up. Up. I thought I read a long time ago that the witching hour is considered. 3 I always
2: thought witching hour was midnight. Yeah, let's see.
1: Ha <laughs> ha. Twelve a.m. Are you sure? What? Who's the source?
2: With the modern literal meaning of midnight. The term witching hour refers to the time of day and night. Twelve a.m. or twelve p.m. So it's noon or night. The in between of mon- uh, morning
1: night. I really thought it was three a.m. I really Why three? I don't know. That's what I was trying to remember. I thought there was a reason for the witching hour being three a.m. But yeah. I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter. I only just, think you know. like
2: because of uh, this. This episode definitely reminded me of the show Charmed, and I was obsessed with that show. So like everything that went down in Charmed was always at midnight. So I just, yeah, you know, I immediately thought. 12
1: so you just made a charmed reference here there were a lot of charm
2: references i mean hello book of shadows (laughs) hello familiars
1: i that's all been done in charm speaking about you know early 2000s wb i made a dawson's creek reference in the good wife last hour such a great show i know wb
2: back in their prime
1: we should do that we should just just let's talk about dawson no i'm just kidding The, Um,
2: the late 90s let's go back to that shall we
1: oh dude the wardrobes Better awesome. than the wardrobes in this episode. Um, okay, <laughs> Anne in the well drowns mm-hmm. the cat. I thought she was going to drown Brown Jenkins. I was like, you cannot touch Brown Jenkins.
2: Okay, I had a problem with Anne's familiar. <laughs> the mouse, What's really? wrong with okay. Anne is mousy. She looks like a mouse. I She's got that. mousy features. I get features. the literal form of a mouse <laughs> to represent Anne. She is a very mouse-like. But if you think about it, a mouse only has an average lifespan of two years. Well, come
1: on. This isn't supernatural. Like,
2: you could be a little bit more threatening of a type of animal to represent Anne. I mean, I get it. She's, Anne is very mouse and meek. But I I think with her powers, with Anne's... Un, Unknown powers. It could have been something way more ominous, All right, let or, me, a way more dangerous. Let type me toss of this animal. on your
1: head. The mouse is the most ominous at that time because the mice bring the plague, and things like what they're seeing in that show, their plague. In history, plagues have been brought by mice. Mm-hmm. Pretty ominous.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will give you that.
1: Thank you, thank you. You're very welcome.
2: I thought it was going to be like (laughs) as as typical. It might be a cat or something.
1: Well, she not anymore. She drowned that cat. Yeah, super sad. You don't want to kill animals. Like, like I know, obviously, an animal. You can kill
2: mice though.
1: Dude, come on! Not Brown Jenkins.
2: Mr. Jenkins.
1: But his first name is Brown. Mr. Brown, Mr.
2: Brown Jenkins. I love the fact that she immediately... I know. Him. She's
1: the worst witch. Like,
2: you're, you're already humanizing <laughs> an animal. What are you doing, it?
1: <laughs> it was so... Not like it was out of character, but it was so... Okay, here's the thing I was thinking about during the show. And th- Do you guys know what a Brown Jenkins is? No. Um, The Brown Jenkins is... Are you looking it up? No, no, no. My, my dad told us scary stories before I went to bed growing up. And there's a story that's... Uh, I'm I'm looking up. I, I believe it's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Yeah, it's a The Dreams in the it's Witch Martin House a is a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. It's part of the Cthulhu Mythos. But my dad yeah. taught me told us the story about the Brown jenkin, which was I'm probably mixing a bunch up, but it was a rat that or like this room where the guy would go to sleep and there's like a blue corner of the room. And, like, a skeleton would leave his body every, every time. And one time he comes back to his body and rats are eating its way out of his body or something. I can't oh. remember the story particularly. Fantastic. But when you said Brown Jenkin, I was like, why is that so familiar? I was like, oh, yeah, there the Brown go. Jenkin.
2: Okay, so do you think Anne's mouse will eventually, I don't know, transform into
1: a rat? Well, I mean, it could have been. I mean, I guess it could have been a rat.
2: It could have been, but yeah, even a rat, I would have been more satisfied because the mouse is just so
1: meek. But either way, I mean, the, the, knowing what it is now, maybe it's something. I just took it at face value without even, i didn't even think to look it up because it just sounded so weird from her. She's like, "Oh, I'm going to name you Jenkins." It wasn't like she referenced that story, mm-hmm. you know. It's—it's it's almost they took a myth. H.P. Lovecraft is, and I don't know if this was his story originally for something else, but he's much more recent than when Salem would have been set. He, yeah, he, he's... Salem he's beats him like by, like, 100 1930s. years. 1930s. Yeah, or more, like, yeah, it could the, be.
2: The, nine, the 20th century, so. Yeah,
1: so this is obviously... It's a weird reference to make, unless the story predates him, which it could. It could. Um, that's interesting. Okay, I didn't... This takes... This suddenly takes on an air of a Penny Dreadful type show, where they're referencing other horror stories and stuff. That's kind of a cool thing. But yeah. the reason... I, I was going to bring this up now with, with Brown Jenkins, and it's good to know that, is... In the first season of our after show, we spent a lot of time talking about the real history of Salem. Mm -hmm. Throw it out the window. Because this show... Well, not the
2: completely going off canon. Like, going off book. They're done. It's creative license from here
1: on out. Totally. And you know what? I'm okay with it. It's ridiculous. It's going to get more ridiculous. This whole Malum thing's going to blow up. But that's fine. Let's stop worrying about the history. We haven't in season two. But forget the history because this isn't the way it happened just watch it because it's a ridiculous witch show and that's okay.
2: But it makes it fun and unpredictable too yeah. cuz then our predictions will like literally be real predictions. It's not like we <laughs> already know what is going to have be in the future. It's like these are real like cuz we really don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I'm just it's in an and scene with Brown Jenkins, even though knowing it now actually solidifies it because this is not a Salem story. Knowing now what Brown Jenkins is, this is gonna go so far off creative license and I'm cool with it. Just have fun with it. It's yeah, ridiculous. So, so
2: I, I actually, I believe one of the I'm um, just like literally brief note um, of the Jenkins story that, that was like the, the main protagonist of this story was was in Salem. So, like during the Salem time, the, according to the story, the, really? the character takes oh. place in Salem. So there is a tie back to that time.
1: Interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to right. look this up. When we get off air, if you know about it and you're watching, comment on YouTube and tell us a little bit about it. Teach me. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to spend, like, a solid day at work tomorrow just reading about yeah. this. Scare I would the read hell the story now,
2: but then this would be a very one-sided conversation for <laughs> you.
1: So. that's Okay, I'm definitely looking that up later. That's good to know, though. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. Um, let's talk about... Okay, so Mary and Anne, where does this relationship go? Because to me... Even giving credit to Anne for who she is and and her powers, which are strong, I still believe Mary is completely taking advantage of her and always will. And Mary has no allies, Tituba included. Um, How does it end up then? Because Anne is getting into a situation that she really doesn't want to be in.
2: No. but And also Mary using Anne against her will and forcing her and all this. But I also feel that... It's, again, keeping your enemies close. Not that Mary and Anne are really enemies right now. But Mary is smart enough to realize, hey, I need to have it, eyes on Anne, whatever how powerful she's going to be. And there's now she has this looming darkness... With the Countess and even the Book of Shadows. I mean, we'll get into it, but now she's literally using Anne to learn everything else that she didn't know.
1: And this is two weeks in a row now that Mary has said to another character's face, I'm not your enemy. She said it to Hawthorne last week, dude, you're totally his enemy. And she said it to Anne this week, you totally have a, a thing against Anne. You need to do away with Anne in your own way. Mary, talk about keeping your enemies close, you know, your friends closer, your enemies closer. Mary's bullshitting everybody.
2: Well, yeah, she has to, because she, again, it's more self-protection of herself. She has to lie to everyone yeah. and keep that front that she is just a normal woman with power in Salem. She's not a witch.
1: The, ruse is. the ruse is going to end real quick. More and more people are finding out. You know, More and more people know weird stuff. Anne now knows. John has known. Tituba has known. Uh, it just The ruse is going to end for her real fast. Do you
2: think Magistrate will eventually find
1: out? Oh, 100% hundred percent. The question is, what will he be able to do about it? Yeah. The like, next, the next person who's going to find out is Wainwright. He is on the trail
2: Ooh. for
1: a lot of reasons.
2: Even if he does find out, do you think Wainwright will believe it? Because he's so he he mentions in like I think twice tonight's episodes that he doesn't believe in witches.
1: He's a weird He believes dude. in
2: science.
1: He's he's. Uh, Let's we'll talk more about Mary. Let me get—I have a lot to say about yeah. him, but we'll get there. Okay, let's talk about Mary and Tituba because Titiba did something very interesting tonight, and that is after Petrus's death and Tituba found the body. Tituba cut the freaking eyeballs out. Stop doing that!
2: Nucleation.
1: Stop it! Uh, and and after she did it, she goes to Mary, says Petrus is dead. Don't know where his eyeballs are. They cut them out. I didn't eat them. <laughs> it Wasn't <laughs> yeah, <no>.
2: me. <laughs> um, but also using eyes that you can use eyes as like um, materials and
1: well, no, no, ingredients for spells. But she ate them. I think because she wanted the, the seer's power. Right. Yes. Isn't that the, the the meaning behind that? That Petrus was the seer, and so she says, "If you're the seer, I want I want to be the seer. I want to know who killed okay. you. I want yes. to know what's going on." Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also, this could give. Tituba a step up over Mary. 100%. And she sees things that Mary can't.
1: And we now know that this would have given Tituba a step up over Mary because Tituba lied about it to Mary. Uh. You would say... You would do one of two things. You would either say, should we go cut his eyes out together? Do you want to eat them? Whatever. You're my master, you Mm -hmm. know, ostensibly. Um, Or you would say, oh, I have his eyes. Let's eat them. Let's cut them out. Whatever. You wouldn't eat them yourself and then say, I don't know what happened.
2: Let's share an eye. Yeah. There's (laughs) there's a reason why there's two. (laughs) Let's go 50-50. One for for each of us. (laughs) But, okay, also, in, in serious note, I think it's also... It's the the play in that front that it's another witch taking out. Yeah. People. It's like to have that, you know, the, to fake that someone else, not just a human, it's a witch that's taking out these people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, or.
2: But even though we know it was. Titipa.
1: Yeah. It's it's I wonder what now we've seen one of the first behind the back riffs between Titiba and Mary because they yeah, they they argue to each other's face a lot. But I think there's a good deal of respect in that argument because it's always face to face. It's never, you know, rumors to other people. It's never getting anyone else involved. It's never going behind someone's back. They're always very honest with each other. And yeah. this is one of those key moments now that was really short, but really quick, but very significant. Titiba is now lying to Mary about something huge.
2: Yes. And also, just to go off of, they're constantly arguing with each other. I think it's two female, alpha females going against each other, always trying to keep each other in check. We know Mary's the more powerful one, but Titiba, again, keeping Mary in check and now doing things against her and behind her back, it's. Tituba's way of trying to overcome Mary.
1: And Mary needs Tituba in the most broad general sense because Tituba is going to keep her well enough in line. Mm-hmm. If Mary is alone and has only, you know, yes men, yes women around her, Mary can do whatever Mary wants and no one will ever tell her if anything's a bad idea. Tittiba, theoretically, because she's so headstrong herself, mm-hmm. can tell Mary, don't do this, don't do that, let's do whatever, you know, let's try this way. And those things can help Mary along, you would think. If Mary loses Tituba, that would actually be more detrimental than Mary losing power to Hawthorne or Anne or whatever else is going to happen in the future, Wainwright, whoever. I think Tituba is key to Mary's success only because Tituba calls her on her bullshit, Mm -hmm. and they can figure out a solution together, even though Mary is kind of the alpha dog in that. Yeah, and
2: we even see the first scene tonight uh, that when Mary's all distraught after being attacked in the tub— what is Titiba doing? Accusing her is like, no, you let Mercy get all powerful and go crazy. And she's like literally saying all of Mary's faults yep. every, in a moment of weakness and vulnerability because Mary was like physically shocked and just yep. like tortured and in her own house.
1: And that's an important thing. It's an important thing for people in power, for people who are successful, to put people around them. This is a little business advice for anybody aspiring moguls. Put people around you who who will contest you. Not necessarily in a disrespectful way and not whatever. Who will challenge you. But who will challenge you. To make
2: you rise up.
1: Exactly. Because if you just put people around you who are enamored with your power, that's cool for like six minutes. But but then then you end up like with the season finale of Dexter or Helix. There you go.
2: I don't watch those shows. I didn't watch either one.
1: (laughs) But apparently, man, uh, I'm with you, Stephen. I'm with you 100%. I was going to use another metaphor, which was totally off the reservation here. It was a sports metaphor. But that doesn't matter. Um, Okay. It matters. It wouldn't have mattered to this audience. Um, Although it was basketball, and you like basketball. Uh, We'll talk about it off air. We
2: digress.
1: Uh, Let's talk about Mary and Wayne right now. We got a little... uh, mm Hmm...
2: So much sexual tension.
1: Well, they relieved so, it too. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. That what is
1: not to get like too graphic, but what does Wainwright find down there? Like, like you know, how does he
2: not notice that nipple? That exactly. third nipple on her leg. Yeah,
1: it's that's. That was like the first thing I was wondering. like, dude, you're so a doctor. Not. You're like. Well, he wasn't anatomy. really looking
2: there. He was looking more north.
1: <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> It's true. All right, it's it's getting hot in here. I need to take step out and recompose myself. Um, He was looking north, but like he's a doctor, like he's into anatomy. Like I feel like he would have been like, "This is weird." This is a boil. You know, he wouldn't have identified it as a nipple, I don't think.
2: Yeah, whatever that attachment is. Either
1: way, he's creeping me out only because, and this is another for people who watch Penny Dreadful. This is another similarity to Penny Dreadful, which we watch, and we're going to be doing it next week. Yes. Um, He's, death turns him on. Being around dead stuff turns him on, it seems like. Science,
2: yeah, science turns him
1: on. Yeah, but I think, like, specifically death does. He's had a couple scenes with Mary now where he's been talking about, like, the soul and the body and evacuating the soul and being around the autopsy and, like, he got all hot and bothered from that. And And also,
2: what did Mary say? She said, you don't have courage enough to touch my soul. And that's when he went down on her.
1: He's He's... I'm starting to think I know we talked last week that he was a spy or you know a double agent of sorts and he had either powers himself and was a witch or he was there at the behest of somebody else who was powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think he's just a useful idiot. And he's very smart scientifically obviously. He's he's you know worldly intelligent but he he's totally out of his area. He's out of his element. With all the supernatural that's going on,
2: and well, what I think he comes from areas where people don't really expect witchcraft; they just expect science, and he's the one who always has the answers. And now he's literally in a place where we know witchcraft exists in Salem, but he's so against it, and now people are actually questioning against him yeah. and and his science. Where I feel is like everywhere else he's been, no one has uh, everything he says they believe and now people are crushing him, and he doesn't know what to believe anymore.
1: What did you make of him and Cotton meeting each other in that in that first scene where they meet each other and get at each other's throat for science and religion?
2: I thought I thought that was a very interesting meeting, only because we know Cotton, who's very, very education, educational and educated in that way, and he was all about science and philosophy as well, and we know Rainer Wright has his strong beliefs, so it's like two people that have strong beliefs, but now we see how much Cotton has changed in everything he's gone to because they had the same type of similar situation, but they had different ways to go about it.
1: My only my only problem with that scene, with Cotton and Wainwright meeting, when Wainwright had the potions or whatever, and I think Cotton had been drinking a little bit almost, it looked it like. It seemed
2: like it, because like they even toasted it. I was like, do not drink yeah, that. Yeah, they toast
1: post- yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, ew. But, but when Cotton kind of meandered up, he looked like drunk Cotton. We've seen drunk Cotton. A little bit. He kind of looked like drunk Cotton. But either way, But they had
2: different views.
1: But that's my problem. They immediately went stereotypical. You know, I'm a Harvard man. No kidding. Do you like science? I studied religion. Oh, you like the myth. And it's like, oh, great. We got the science person. We got the religious person. Mm -hmm. Spare me the crap. That's so predictable. And I know they went away from it a little bit, and Wainwright and Cotton found a common ground. But I'm worried that that... Just really quick interchange about, I'm science, I'm religion. It's like the, you know, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. It's like that stupid (laughs) commercial. Um, I'm just worried that that relationship is going to take hold with those two. And every time they get together, at some level, there's going to be, you know, Wainwright saying, here's the science. And Cotton saying, oh, here's my religious study. And they're going to butt heads and it's going to be so unnecessary. And I don't want to see it. It's just, it's lazy writing.
2: Well, it's not unnecessary. It's just something we've already seen. It's, it's, it's
1: more redundant, and we've seen it in a hundred different shows in different ways. This science—we know that science and religion are at odds in a lot of ways and, and mesh they together. Always it. It's movie. just so stereotypical to write it that one thing, and no one's ever accused the Salem writers of winning, you know, awards doing this. They're mm-hmm. not. We're not writing, you know, Citizen Kane here. But it's just such stereotypical stuff that that one scene for Wainwright and Cotton to me was like, please. Don't do this. Wasn't needed. Don't do this. I don't want to do this. There's other more, you know, there's there's greater depth that you can give their relationship than just this science-religion dichotomy. Even in the 17th century, when you want to set this, even scientists then could understand the beauty of philosophy and how it related to science. The best scientists of any era have understood the mixing of the two, and the best theologians of any era have too. So let's go a little bit deeper.
2: But do you also think, now that Cotton doesn't really have his boy John Alden to be a friend and confidant and going against... Well, maybe he does. Maybe he does. We'll get there. (laughs) But, as of right now, it seems like maybe Rainwright is the next... Male to maybe partner up with them and be allies, or someone to oppose him.
1: I think that's what I'm salty about. That Cotton and John had like a a little like bromance going on. Yeah, and then the bromance could this stopped. be the next bromance? I think I'm I'm caught up on the last bromance and I want it to happen. <laughs> it's like it's like the Kardashians. It's like Chloe and Lamar had a thing, and then Lamar's gone, and then there's French Montana. But you want Lamar? You know what I mean?
2: No. <laughs> You it's exactly me like at that. Kardashians, I checked out.
1: <laughs> no, but it's it's I was so into and this is why I'm salty about it. I was so into John and Cotton cuz they were the perfect dichotomy. They were Cotton was the educated one, John was the, you know, idiot about worldly things. He was a common sense yeah. guy. He was a street smart guy. And they but got again, together. But again, it's
2: it's two opposing forces. It so is, I feel like, like this is the next maybe bromance to look
1: forward. I don't want it to be. I want John. I want John and Obviously Cotton back in the saddle it, again. But
2: I think it's like when one relationship ends, you have to start another one. I'm That's just how television
1: shows work. I'm not ready to move on. I don't okay. think
2: any of us are. Well, then I don't want to but move that's on. But that's the path. They're going on.
1: I'm not ready for it. I'm, I well, I'm
2: sorry. As much as you're not ready for it, they're already doing this it.
1: This show is about me, correct? It
2: can be.
1: (laughs) But I could just
2: see the writers right now. Well, well, this will make Bobby (laughs) upset. This will make Bobby happy.
1: Let's change this. They're absolutely doing that. Totally. No, but I just, that's, I think, jokingly, but seriously, that's it. Like, I want to see more John. We see it in the very last episode. He comes in and nails Cotton in the face, so. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Maybe You're alive? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I want to see John and Cotton because they made an interesting team, and I just don't like Wainwright, and I never have, I don't dislike him, he just doesn't really appeal to me. So, I want to see John and Cotton, not Wainwright and Cotton. That's just me, though.
2: Okay. I like Wainwright. I might be biased, because Stuart Townsend is just amazing. And he's hot. (laughs) Um, But, his character is interesting. He's bringing, he comes in with such a strong belief that it's amazing to see anyone question him.
1: He just, maybe the stereotype that I was Complaining about with him in Cotton religion versus science, I think Wainwright is just so stereotypical to me. He looks so one-dimensional thus far. It, granted, he hasn't had a ton of character development, but he's just so science, science, science. This couldn't be witchcraft; it's yeah. not in the science. And I'm like, well, okay.
2: maybe we need an episode with his backstory. We do.
1: We absolutely do. For us to like
2: him even more.
1: We get it, man. You're a scientist. You 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 live in facts and evidence, and that's wonderful. But it's so. That's basic. It. That's it. <laughs> give me something else. You know, give me give me a wrinkle of some kind. And John has, Lord knows, a lot of wrinkles, and Cotton has a lot of wrinkles. Give me those wrinkles in Wainwright or else let's go back to John and Cotton.
2: Well, it's like we spend more time with those two as well. So, but, again, I think we just need an episode with backstory of Wainwright, where he's coming from, his motivation and all this, and we'll like him even more.
1: I think That's I'm, also, it. I'm also a little salty that he's trying to become Mary's replacement for John. I mean he doesn't know John existed in that no. way, but he's effectively trying to become mary 's boo, you know,
2: oh and yeah, for sure, yeah, but their yeah their sexual tension is like through the roof, I think there's more sexual tension there than Mary and John ever had,
1: do you get the feeling though that Mary is using him? To get what she wants. Like she she had that sexual tension with him today where Tituba cut the finger off. Mm-hmm. That was purely using him for what she needed, and then she bounced. And then the only way that he could <laughs> corral her was literally corralling her. He tied her down. Mm-hmm. Like, like she couldn't go anywhere. It, it save Cassidy's. I think Renrich
2: w- writes more into it than 100%. In Mary. Yeah.
1: Mary's just using him. He's a means to an end for her, like almost everybody is. And
2: but she is a woman, she has her needs. But and I think that's, as sad as it might be, that might be the only reason why...
1: Maybe, but she's also a witch, so, like, does she have her needs?
2: You know? <laughs> I was like, where were you going with that? More no, but she's, to, like, a, she's a witch. Self-pleasure?
1: It's, it's, magically? It's, it's, yeah, but it's different. There's not, like, she's not a human, you know? So mm-hmm. there's... I know she's in a human body. She's
2: also uh, just a human woman.
1: But she's a witch. Yeah. Are we talking with, about... We're talking about with, the sex lives of witches. Yeah. Okay, um, all right, okay.
2: But... Again, she's human with human-woman needs.
1: But I, I feel like those needs don't exist in her the same way that they do in human-women. Because she's not a human-woman. She has supernatural power. She's going to live longer than 50 <laughs> or 60 years. Probably. She already has. So she doesn't have the same needs. She looks like she might because she's attractive and she's female.
2: Okay, but the, okay. so if, if that's the question, why is marrying allowing it? Other than to use...
1: What's ring, the... Exactly? But she's
2: allowing... Rain right to come onto her.
1: Exactly. There's a means to an end with all of this with her. She's not seeking him out for the sex. She's seeking him out and using sex to manipulate him. And then he finally called her on it, tied her down, and got it. And I think that's maybe part of her calculated play to say, he's now in the fold. He's into me 100%. I can manipulate him further. You know, For her, it was like, I don't care about my pleasure. Because my pleasure in my physical body is not human. It's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm Wasn't not there an episode in
2: season one where she was in the midst of a spell and at the end she was she got a, like orgasm off of it. But
1: that was a spell. That's yes. my point. It's it's, it's it's supernatural. It's something different. So we have seen like sexual stuff from her before. Magically. Magically. And this is very not magically. And I think. Whether We can debate whether she was faking it. Maybe she still gets pleasure from it because she's in a human body. But I just think that she's never going to seek that out because for her it's a totally different realm, literally.
2: But he's seeking it.
1: Oh, 100%. He's down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Literally. He's down. <laughs> literally.
1: <laughs> he's down. Um, that'll be interesting to see what happens with – we'll see. Um, all right. Let's go <laughs> – Let's go to... Uh, that's our quote this
2: week. He's
1: down. Oh, that's I forgot that. Okay, our quote this week. We had a quote last week, oh, and God. we had an awesome Twitter user. Uh, <laughs> she made up this awesome Photoshop um, for our quote this week. I can't remember what you said last week for our quote. A Are you looking at
2: Something about being a pawn.
1: He's that, a, like, yeah, uh, oh, that's right.
2: He, he's a pawn in this game. But pawns can can take down the queen. Can still take queens, yeah. Okay,
1: so the quote this week was from the show. Here's our quote of the week. We should have mentioned it with Anne and Mary, and we forgot. I'm sorry. It is, you cannot taste freedom until you confront your most crippling fear. I like
2: that. If
1: that's not a movie logline, I don't know what is. You cannot taste freedom until you confront your most crippling fear. Isn't that true for all of us, though?
2: It is. And it's not just witches, it's just human nature.
1: I'm telling you, that's why, you know, universal truth, man. This, we, do you know what this means? We need to go down to a well. We need to find a well in the San Fernando Valley, drop down into it, say a spell, come back up. Maybe okay. not drowning a kitten. We'll avoid no, that. That's, no. that's not and good. And
2: let's not do it at night either.
1: And, and don't cover the well. Right. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And maybe it'll be a clean. I'm fine wall. with that. Okay, cool. Like,
2: I'll hold a rope, you go down. And then we can switch.
1: <laughs> you go first.
2: <laughs> well, all right. Let the female go.
1: <laughs> Ladies first. Sure. Um, okay. So that's our quote of the week. Uh, you cannot taste freedom until you confront your most crippling fear. That's awesome. I'm going to tweet that.
2: It's true because fear stops us.
1: Yeah. No, it's right. That's exactly her point. It's just, you know, her... It holds us back. <laughs> her, uh, her, her task to... Uh, confront freedom was a little bit different than most of ours let's move on let's talk a little bit about isaac we see him today with mercy poor isaac poor isaac he poor gets every week. he gets the shaft again
2: again and again
1: again isaac has gone through what do we have 13 episodes in season one mm-hmm. and now we are on number four. Uh, four so he's gone through about 17 episodes of just pure unadulterated bullshit poor isaac yeah <laughs> And, and it?
2: it's, like, not that he's even asking for it. I mean, I don't think anyone asks for tortures, but it's being done unto him in so unfair ways. And he's like, all I
1: did is have sex. I
2: know. <laughs> I was like, just throw him a freaking bone.
1: Well, that's the problem. He threw the freaking bone. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went there.
1: I totally did. This show is rated R this week. Um, what, what, okay, Mature so... It's your
2: audience's only.
1: Mercy, the interesting... There's a couple things here. Isaac is the worst kind of mortal human in this realm because he's too nice, too trusting, too, you know, gung-ho. Today, you know, we'd call him, you know, a good worker kind of thing. You know, he's just too... He's too selfless. Yes.
2: He, and even when he was getting tortured by Mercy, he was calling out Dali. He's like, don't hurt Dally
1: Put it on me. Yeah, yeah whatever it's it was. like
2: Literally, while well, he's being tortured, he's like, no, don't hurt him. Hurt yeah, what's her.
1: what's his relationship with hurt Dolly? Me. Non-existent. Nothing. It's just, he's such a guy that he's just going to do whatever like, he's got to do. Even
2: in his own pain and torture, he's helping others.
1: I feel bad for him. And he's thinking of others. I feel it's really like, bad for him. He's
2: such a good person that all we can do is feel bad for him because so much is being done to him.
1: I don't know what... I just feel bad for him. I don't know if his How suffering... How is he still alive? I was going to say that. I don't know if his suffering will ever end, except for death, which has got to come soon. Because at some point, it's going to get too ridiculous. It's going to yeah. be like, dude, you should have been dead a long time ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, he should have been dead last episode, even though we didn't want him to die. Yeah. But I, I think it's just his... There's all this torture against him. It's... Like you said, it's too long. He either dies or he will magically, miraculously heal and be good and on his merry way. Send him off on a positive note.
1: Looking at television very generally, Mm -hmm. um, I guess I could see – this is a prediction for seasons from now, whenever Salem runs his course. I guess I could see Isaac – Recovering, and at the end of the thing, when they do, then they do kind of the resolution, and all the characters go on their merry way, and whatever happens, I could see Isaac being like healthy and happy, and he made it through because he's so selfless, because he's supposed to be likable. There's nothing you can hate him for. The offense for which he was first, you know, imprisoned. Right. We all look at that in this society and say, dude, that's you know, that's not a big deal. Even then, he shouldn't. have This shouldn't have happened to him. So for all knowing all that, I think I could see it working out for him. But he's gonna go through a lot more crap.
2: Oh yeah. Things are going to get worse before they get better, but I feel like every episode, every person in this show in Salem hasn't had a happy ending or hasn't been sent off in. It goes like, Gloriana got exiled, caught and even left. It's like all or like people die terribly, and terrible deaths. I feel like someone needs to just maybe leave on a good note. They have to have some redemption in a way, or just. Something be like literally leave on a high note
1: gloriana probably had the best situation right gloriana is the like, best of the people she left, left
2: alive yeah but like on bad terms in yeah. fact that she got exiled but uh, again i'm saying people no one has had a happy departure on the show yeah. and i feel like isaac is the person who definitely deserves one
1: i hope he gets one that makes me sad he
2: should if he does.
1: Poor Isaac. But Poor Isaac. what about the people around Isaac? What about uh, him and Cotton and seeing the whole situation of Cotton and Wainwright with Isaac? Because that goes back to Cotton and Wainwright's relationship. Yeah. You know? And and the fact that the Malum is there and Cotton sees this Malum and now has it. He takes it from Wainwright who sees no value in it. Yeah. Cotton's Cause like... Because he oh, doesn't oh believe in oh witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. Cotton's like, this is this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is what I need. This is the thing. Um <sighs> Isaac, what about Mercy and Dolly? Maybe last relationship to talk about before we get to well now it's John. to the
2: point where Mercy is physically beating up Dolly. It's like how much can Dolly do for Mercy now without like how long will Dolly actually follow Mercy in all of her orders? Like and after being beaten by your so-called quote-unquote friend, <laughs> it's like how much loyalty can Dolly really show to Mercy after all of this?
1: I think Dolly is so scared and so pathetic, and again, I don't mean that pejoratively. She just that character is meek. Um, blind obedience. Yeah. And, and, more, more, not even blind, but obedience out of fear. Obedience out of worrying maybe, about the maybe. repercussions of whatever she would do against Mercy. Old Mercy's back. Old Mercy from like mid season one, who was like sadistic and crazy. She's back. She just doesn't Did have she any ever skin left. Leave? <laughs> I think she left for a couple episodes just because she was dealing with the fallout of like, not being Mercy anymore. Yeah,
2: physically And now she has
1: a vendetta again. I mean, she always did, but now she's circled the wagons on this vendetta, and, you know, nobody circles the wagons like Mercy, and here she is, and she's back with a vengeance, and it's only a matter of time until she starts to eke into Mary's life more, and everything else, and poisons the rest of whatever, and gains more confidence. I think that's a big thing as much as anything else for her is she's gaining more and more confidence, and I think as, as maybe she doesn't like the way she looks. She's she's sensitive to it because obviously. of how she looks, obviously. But I think she's quickly losing that. And you're going to see her fairly soon make somewhat of a public appearance and be like, deal with me. This I'm back. Me. This well, is me.
2: Well, also, I think it's just to the point, like, physical appearance still hasn't stopped her.
1: Yeah. But she's still in private. She's always been in private, and Dolly is doing her errands. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's going to come a point pretty soon here where Mercy's like goes back out on the town. Maybe not, you know, broad daylight, but goes back and confronts Mary or does something like that.
2: Do you think Mercy will kill Dolly eventually?
1: <sighs> that would be a great question to ask Sammy Hanratty in two weeks. Yes. Um, nice.
2: Because, I mean, I, there, I, it will get to the point where Dolly will just stop following whatever Mercy is ordering her to do. And I don't know if Dolly is the kind of person who will leave or just be killed by Mercy.
1: Here's, here's the thing. Here's the case for Dolly and Isaac remaining alive. You have so many characters on this show who have a bad streak to them in all kinds of ways. Cotton, John, Mercy, Tituba, Mary, Hawthorne, Anne, everybody's dark and has different levels of dark. Dolly doesn't and Isaac doesn't. You need characters like that to play off the dark and to offset the dark so in the short term maybe – Dolly and Isaac are safe. Until we are introduced to more good light people. characters. Yeah, until we're introduced to more good characters. And not really protagonists, necessarily. They can be, obviously, small, you know, bit parts. But we need some of these characters who we know aren't going to do harm. Because we need... I think our brains need a rest.
2: Yeah, but also, everybody's I mean, evil... And it's not just Dolly and Isaac. We also have Cotton, who's good.
1: I would argue Cotton has a major dark side, though. I think Cotton's got a lot of dark to him, and he himself can do a lot of harm because he almost but didn't see But he's on one. a
2: path to redemption.
1: I guess. We'll see. We'll see what John does with him.
2: Like I, I think they could add maybe one more good character. I, I mean, think so. Rainwright, on the m- he's mostly good. He doesn't pose a, a threat, at least, or any type of foil for the witchcraft.
1: But we're still so unsure about it that I think we can't trust him as a good character yet. We need to know more. We can trust Dolly and Isaac. You mm. know? Because they're... they're, they're not going to do anything. Exactly. They're smaller parts. So I think we need to keep Dolly and Isaac around for a while. So yeah. I don't think Mercy will kill her. I think Mercy needs to use her. But, you know, talk to me again in four episodes. Who knows? Stuff can change. I don't know. What about John?
2: Okay. Yes, <laughs> John. Um, my question is: When he we we see in the first like last week's episode, like he, he was given all those items and whatnot, and yeah. he can hide from the witches. And we see it used tonight, but when he's actually hiding from Mary, what the heck was happening to him?
1: Like all of his veins were like popping. Popping almost. like yeah. maybe
2: it, it's like dark. It, maybe it's dark magic that he has to consume. In order to hide from dark magic, from witches and whatnot. But it it's it seems like a dark magical object that he has to use.
1: It looked like tree branches or like roots almost. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it was. And then it immediately disappeared. When he, let them, when when he took, took it off, off, it immediately disappeared. But it
2: already subdued him at yeah. that point. And so he, like, it's not good. Out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not good. It's dark magic.
1: They gave him some bad stuff, man.
2: Which is ironic because... All he's doing, his whole mission is to take out witchcraft and dark, the dark magic.
1: I guess maybe, you know, you have to, if you're going to take out something evil, you got to do something even more evil to take it out, right?
2: Yeah, maybe. But I kind of saw it as the equivalent of the one ring to rule them all. When you put the ring on, it's like you're also consumed by the darkness as well, and like after time it will you will eventually like succumb to the power interesting and be swayed in that way so i saw it more as like that type of path
1: so why did he hit cotton oh first off i assume it was him who hit cotton is that a safe assumption
2: i think so okay.
1: yes all right
2: i think it might just be like hey brother <laughs> i'm back
1: i'm back and he hit him in the face and i'm
2: very real <laughs> like to the point where I like I will physically attack you.
1: Do you think John hit Cotton because John is going to drag Cotton out of there not to do harm to him, but he wants to remove Cotton from the scene and and get him know that he's on John's side before they can go forward.
2: Yeah, I think it was John's just way to knock out Cotton. Gain control over him, part maybe strap him down just to so, like, hey, be, hey, listen to me. I'm alive. This is my mission. Don't tell anyone because, like, literally, he strapping him down. He can't. And he physically can't move and blab to someone. And if him.
1: I get an inkling that you're not down for this or you're against me, I'm just gonna kill you because I can't it. use you. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think that's gonna happen. Cotton is probably certainly gonna stay alive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. John has to know who's on his side because everybody else is not thus far.
2: Well, everyone thinks he's dead yeah. right now.
1: Yeah. He can really use Cotton. If he, if him he and can. Cotton can get back together, if they can get, you know.
2: That romance to oh, start up again.
1: Please. And then, I know,
2: Bobby. I know you want it.
1: I just, so bad.
2: So bad. I miss it. I will say that.
1: Okay, one more thing, and this is really insignificant, but. Mary called Anne a ginger witch today. Ginger was not a term they used against redheads in the 1600s. There's no way. Maybe. no, come
2: on. <laughs> no, Never- <laughs> no. Again, that was writing geared Taurus, the 21st century. <laughs> like- <laughs> yes, we know. it's It's a way for the current today's audience to understand what the hell is going on.
1: And most of this stuff, like, you're obviously We're not going to write... going to get over it. Yeah, no, no, you are. And you're not right. going to write in 16th, 17th century terms, because that would be awful for us. So you're going to say things that 21st century people say. Mm-hmm. But you also have to walk... On this side of the line, and Ginger is on the other. That's that's come on. But it was
2: also used in a very negative way too, which I
1: feel is very. If she if she questioned Anne and said, "I don't think you have a soul, you Ginger witch," I'd have lost it right there. If she made a soul (laughs) meme joke, I'm done. I'm just nope, nope. I'm done forever. Okay, real quick, got a couple minutes left. Let's do some predictions. Sure.
0: And now you're after Buzz TV.
1: I predict. See, I'm trying to I'm trying to mix it between what actually is going to happen and what I just want to happen. What I want to happen is the John Cotton bromance. I'm not totally sold on that, so I, no, I think, think you
2: made that point very clear.
1: <laughs> I think that actually this is interesting, and it may feed off that. I think the the trio, the bromance trio, is John Cotton and Wainwright. Mm-hmm. I think the three of them have the most.
0: Aligned Intellect.
1: together, yeah, and 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 they're also like-minded people, and don't you know. Not for nothing, they're also mid twenties white guys. So, so just culturally, I know this sounds weird, but culturally they no, have more in common. The, they
2: have more superiority and authority over the common folk. And I in just Salem, it,
1: and I think they have more in common with each other than you know one old guy, one young guy, you know a black woman in Tituba, you know an old whatever. Those people are come from, and I know that Salem isn't the true cultural thing because of the supernatural. But those people come from such different cultures. When you're talking about John Cotton and Wainwright. They're kind of having a same experience in the world, very generally speaking, and I think it'd be a natural transition for the three of them to get together, for John and Cotton to work out whatever they got to work out next week together and realize they're on the same team, and then for Cotton to introduce Wainwright to John, keep that whole thing quiet, and then the three of them are kind of working in concert. And I think those three are going to start messing with Mary full bore together.
2: Okay. You you went off on the men pairing up. I think the women pairing up. We're going to have Countess Marburg Von Marburg. Mm-hmm. She's going to get a hold of Mercy. And those two crazies <laughs> will team up, have their own crazy path going on. And then Anne and Mary, we see their partnership starting to happen. And then those team will pair up. And then it will be the two teams pairing against you. The Countess Mar- Mar- Marburg and Mary. And those, because we also see now that Mary, thanks to Anne's book of shadows, Mary now knows who attacked her in the bathtub.
1: And Tiduba is thanks the to weak,
2: also the well wow, as well. Cool.
1: Tiduba is the wink link. I think Tiduba will be flipped to somebody else's team very shortly. She's lying to Mary. Mm.
2: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: It's coming. Get ready, Tiduba.
2: Do you think Tiduba will partner with Mary or Marburg?
1: Undis- well, no, not Mary. I'm saying she'll flip on Mary. Oh, I think sure. she'll be a Marburg person. Oh, okay. I think she's going to flip on Mary. She's lying. There's some reason she didn't tell her about the eyes. Tituba's lying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like it. All right. So, hey, remember, guys, if you want to ask questions at Sammy Hanready, who plays Dolly, you can do that on YouTube. Comment below right now. We will ask your questions on the show in two weeks. She's here May 10th. Uh, I think that's it this week yeah. Marissa, Rest
2: in peace Corman
1: Yeah seriously It's, it's over he's for you a, He's pal. definitely dead But thank you for your finger It was very nice
2: Yes And, uh. and fingernail <laughs> Very helpful. I love that magical compass that they made. Oh,
1: Jesus. <laughs> uh, she is on Twitter at Serafini TV. I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMiro. You guys can tweet us all week about this. That's it. We'll see you guys next Sunday on Salem. Bye, guys. From executive producers
0: Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network.